You guys seem to really enjoy that, huh? How we doing? Doing all right today? I'm convinced. All my years on earth, I'm convinced of one thing. Convinced of one timeless truth we could call this. I believe that all of humanity could be divided into two categories of people. There's only two types. Those who love In-N-Out and those who love Chick-fil-A. What are you? What do you choose? In-N-Out or Chick-fil-A? What is it? Yeah. Hey, don't yell at, don't yell at me. It's too early to be yelled at, okay? With some decency. If you're yelling, you probably love In-N-Out. Uh, but what is it? In-N-Out? Who's for In-N-Out? Let me see. Make some noise for In-N-Out. Yeah. And then what about Chick-fil-A? Yeah. So uh, my wife was out of town. Uh, this was years ago now. My wife was out of town, and uh, like I mentioned yesterday, I have four kids. Um, four kids. At the time, my kids were younger. Any dads in the room? Anyone in here a father? So I was going to go over a lot of your heads. But I feel like as a dad, there's a moment when you're home alone with the kids, and like the goal is survival. Like the goal isn't necessarily to thrive, the goal is to survive. And so we had survived Friday night. We'd gotten up, the kids are dressed, the kids had breakfast. It's getting to lunchtime, and I go, hey, I think we need to do something fun for lunch today. Uh, what do you guys say we go to Chick fil A, huh? We go to Chick fil A. Kids are all, woo, Chick fil A. We love Chick fil A. And I'm like, perfect. Let's go do this thing. And in this moment in time, I've got, I've got nuggets on my mind. I've got a spicy chicken sandwich on my mind. I've got my kids being entertained in the play area. Like, I'm just, this is perfect. For me and my family, the happiest place on earth is not Disneyland. It's Chick-fil-A. And way cheaper, by the way. I can afford Chick-fil-A. Can't afford Disneyland. So I tell my kids, hey, there's a couple things that are required for us to go to Chick-fil-A today. The first is you must be clothed. Okay, I think we can do that. The second is your hair must be done at least well enough to go into public. We good? Awesome. Number three, you got to have shoes on. Okay. Now here's where the miracle began to happen. Kids one, two, and four nailed the assignment. Like I'm in the car. Again, dads are different than moms. Like moms might help you. Dad's in the car honking saying what's taking so long, right? And so I'm in the car, car's running, and out comes kid one, shoes on, perfect, jumps into the car. Out comes kid two, shoes on, perfect, buckles herself into the car seat. Kid three, nowhere to be found. Kid four, my youngest, and tell me that God doesn't still do miracles today, nailed it. And she's like two and a half at the time. She crushes it. She gets in the car, buckles. I'm like, oh, it's happening. This is going to be so good. But where is kid number three, my youngest son, Max? Where is he? And just about the time I'm starting to just maybe think, should I get out and help him? I see the door handle that leads from my garage to the laundry room begin to shake and jiggle. This isn't a slow turning of a doorknob, friends. This is like in Jurassic Park when they're locked in the kitchen and the raptors like opening the door. Like this is reminiscent of that moment in time, that, that perfect cinematic moment in movie history. And, and just as now I'm going, maybe he needs help, boom, the door pops open. And out comes 
my five-and-a-half-year-old son, Max, with two fistfuls of toys. Two fistfuls of toys. We got some army guys. We got some matchbox cars. There's probably some dirt and some hair mixed into, like, these fistfuls of toys. But in his head, Max said, if we're going to the happiest place on earth, I'm taking the homies with me. Like, this is, a, this is like a group project now. We're doing this thing. There's just one problem, though, guys. And if you're tracking with me, you probably already can see the problem. The problem is he has to now put his shoes on with his hand filled, hands, both of them filled with toys. What was that? Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, tell me about it. And in fact, had he done that, I wouldn't even be telling this story. Uh, there would be no point to the story because he didn't put the toys down. He refused to put the toys down. So I go, hey, buddy, remember, you got to put shoes on. And so he walks over to the shoe pile and only using his feet, he kind of pulls his shoes out of the shoe pile and like shoves his little fat five-year-old kid toes into him. And then like someone tamping out a cigarette, he just kind of does this thing for like a minute, you know, and then the other one. <sighs> Like, wow, he's come really far. Again, it's worth noting, the difference between a dad and a mom is a mom would have gotten out and helped him. I'm just here for the show. Like, this is, this is amazing to see his little brain problem solving. But now for the fun part. The fun part is he's got to open the door to the car, but he has still refused to release his death grip on these fistfuls of toys, like the claw machine at the bowling alley. He just has these things, you know? I'm like, this is going to be good. So he walks up to the car door, and he goes, Dad, can you open the door for me? Yeah. No, I can't. But if you put the toys down, you can get in the car and we'll go to Chick-fil-A. Nope. So it's never like good when you tell your parents nope, like especially casually. It's like, okay, now I'm really not going to help you. I go, just drop the toys, you can get in the car. He goes, no, I do it. And he kind of like jaws of life with his hands, puts them on the car door and like tries to open it with his little kid knuckles. Meanwhile, his siblings are cheering him on, like, come on, just put the toys down. We want to go. We're hungry. And to them, he says, nope. I'm like, he's going to do this on his own. We sat in the garage for 15 minutes. At this point, I'm just quiet, hands on the steering wheel, taking deep breaths, like trying to not be frustrated and grumpy, when finally, his brother, who couldn't take it anymore, just pops the door open, and in the car, he comes. As a parent, this story stands out to me because the stubbornness of my little guy not wanting to follow instructions and the frustration for me of us not being able to go to the place where I wanted to take him is the perfect illustration for where our story this morning takes us. You see, last night we talked about the fact that God is... That God is... Yeah. And holiness means that God is... Set apart. And if God is holy and God is set apart, like we touched on briefly last night, that means you and I have limitations. That means you and I go through life much like my son Max wanting to go to Chick-fil-A with something getting in the way of us and God. We carry stuff with us all through life. We carry things with us that keep us from experiencing a deeper relationship with God all the time. And scripture would call this thing that hinders our ability to be close with God, sin. So this morning, I just want to touch briefly on what this topic of sin is, because in order for us to hear the message that we're going to unpack tonight, we have to talk about this one. So pray with me, and we're going to look at just a couple passages before you guys get to go on to your class time. Pray with me. Lord God, today, 
we thank you for another day. Today, we thank you for your love in our lives. Take a moment, friends, while we pray. Just take a couple deep breaths. How are you doing today? When it comes to God, when it comes to his holiness, have you been mindful of that? And so, God, as we think about you this morning, help us to understand ourselves better as we look at these couple passages today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So what we saw play out on the video this morning was a moment that parallels a couple chapters in Scripture perfectly. In Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, turn there, but I'll read it as you turn there. In Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, this like comes after Moses has spent time on that mountain where the burning bush, God through the burning bush is talking to Moses. It says, afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let people go? I do not know the Lord, and I will not let Israel go. So Moses listens to God's instruction. He shows up to Pharaoh. He confronts him and says, Hey, the Lord wants you to let his people go. And Pharaoh goes, I'm the Lord, and I don't want those people to go. What are you talking about? Understand this, that what Pharaoh was doing to Israel was a type of evil that is wrong and atrocious and still exists today. This is slavery. Pharaoh has enslaved millions of the Israelites and is having them work for free for measly food rations while his kingdom gets expanded. God's people who were meant to be with God are enslaved to someone who thinks he's God. So Moses then goes back to God, and they have another conversation. God instructs Moses, I want you to go back to Pharaoh. Let him know that unless he lets my people go, these things are going to happen. And we saw some of that depicted today on on screen, didn't we? It says that in Exodus chapter 7, I'll read this one to you. In Exodus chapter 7, it says, yet Pharaoh's heart, in verse 13, Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them. And it was just as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is unyielding. He refuses to let my people go. Pharaoh had a heart that was opposed to God. Pharaoh had a heart that was opposed to the things of God. Pharaoh had a heart that was opposite of what God wanted for his people. And this is something that we would call sin. Pharaoh had a sinful heart. Pharaoh was an enemy of God. Here's the thing that we see happen, though, through this story. And you saw it when Moses confronts um, Phineas, and he says, hey, if you don't do this, if you don't let God's people go, if you don't let Jairus' people go, there's going to be punishment for that. Now, here's the truth of God that I want us to unpack this morning. This is, this is going to speak to God's justice, meaning God wants to make things right. It's a part of his nature. That God is going to pour out his wrath on sinfulness. Sinfulness will not go unpunished because God is just. Meaning God just can't overlook this sin that we see Pharaoh doing. In the same way God can't just overlook this sin that he sees Pharaoh doing, God doesn't overlook our sin either. It tells us this in Ephesians chapter 2. Now Ephesians is in your New Testament, and I do want you to turn here with me. Ephesians chapter 2, it's uh, it's one of those letters that's written in, in the in the New Testament, so if you see Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
You'll see Acts. You'll see Romans. Keep going a couple more pages. Don't be scared to use that index in the front of your Bible. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 says this. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And the way you used to live, when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. It says, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 paints a picture of where humanity sits apart from God. And it's a dark picture. It's a sad picture. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 tells us, it's a reminder of what we talked about last night, that you and I as humans, we aren't holy like God. We aren't like God in holiness. We aren't set apart. In fact, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus a truth that's true of us today. He says, hey, you were far from God. You were, you, were by, you, were, you were children of darkness. You were by nature deserving of wrath. Do you know what that word wrath means? Anyone? Anybody? Yeah, wrath is like, a, is like an anger. It's an anger that has to go punished. He, he says that, hey, as a result of God's wrath, meaning that God is angry about the evil that exists in the world, he says there's consequences for that. There's consequences for the fact that we, just like Pharaoh, have been living lives that are far from God. In order for us to understand this, it's probably worth understanding what a sin is. Does anyone know what the word sin means? It's a very church word, but it's an important word for us to know. Anyone? Yes. Yeah, simply put, sin means you don't follow God. What's your name? I haven't forgotten, Levi. You're going to be a preacher. Levi's going to be a preacher, guys. So, uh, sin is you don't follow God. You, you could look at sin this way. Sin is any thought, deed, word, attitude, or action that goes against God's holiness, God's perfection. In fact, the psalmist would write that surely I have been sinful from birth since before I was even in my mother's womb I have been sinful. What this speaks to is the fact that unlike God, you and I are not holy. That unlike God, you and I can see that this world is dark. And that even in some small way, we've contributed to that darkness through our selfishness, through our disobedience, and in big ways. We see people doing evil acts in the news all the time today. This is why Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, of God's holiness. That we as humans don't live up to God's perfection. One more chapter over in Romans chapter 6 Verse 23, it says this of us. It says, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. Meaning the payment that is due as a result of us being sinful people is death. And that death doesn't just mean you die, your heart stops beating. That death means separation. Separation from God. That our sinfulness has separated us from God. The wages, that is to say the consequences for sin, is separation. Are you guys familiar with what a consequence is? Yeah, like a consequence when you do something bad. I remember years ago, I was working up here at Hume, and on the first day of camp, we would tell all the campers, like, hey, you got to turn your food in so we can lock it up in this storage bin, because if you don't turn your food in and you don't lock it up, squirrels and maybe like bears can get to it. 
And for the most part, we never had anyone break that rule because when you say the word bear, people tend to get kind of scared. Well, this one week, we had a group of guys uh, who, who didn't listen to our advice, simply put. They didn't listen. And as a result, the food that they should have locked up that should have been refrigerated spoiled. And so this is very late in the week. It's like Thursday. These guys bust out their snacks that have just soured and turned really bad because they were supposed to have been refrigerated. It was like yogurt and stuff. So they're eating this like hot yogurt. Do you know what happens when you eat hot yogurt? Someone said you die. I, maybe you die. I, they didn't die. <laughs> no, they got really sick. And so that night they go to bed and they wake up and one of the guys runs outside the tent and she just throws up everywhere. Well, maybe you're like this. One of his friends is like, I can't hear the sound of someone throwing up or I'm going to throw up. And so he runs out. He throws up. Next thing you know, the whole cabin is just throwing up outside of their tent. The counselor gets them water, has them brush their teeth, tucks them back into their sleeping bags. Kind of goes, hey, you probably should have turned that food in, huh? And they're like, yeah. It's a consequence. But the consequence isn't over because later that night at like 2 a.m., while the boys are trying to fall back asleep, they hear this incredibly large animal come and eat their throw up. And this part of camp where we were in, it was all tents. It was just these giant tents. And so these boys are in their tents, basically packed up like little hot dogs in their sleeping bags, listening to a bear right outside their tent. And the whole thing happened because they didn't turn their food in. Sin has consequences. Our actions, when negative, have consequences. Those consequences are separation. Those consequences are, are us not being able to be in relationship with God. There's also other consequences to our sin. If you steal something, you'll probably get punished. If you hurt someone, you'll probably get punished. You understand, I'm sure, the cause and effect of consequences. Romans, or I'm sorry, Psalms chapter 5-4 says that, God, you are so perfect that you cannot dwell with evil, that you can't look upon evil. So what, what could be done... What could be done about our sinfulness? What could be done about our separated state from God? If you keep reading in that Romans chapter 6, verse 23 verse that I read for you, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, the gift of God, the free gift of God, the grace of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. God hates sin. God hates sin so much so that he punishes sin. But he doesn't just punish sin. God seeks to remove sin so that you, as humans, who are created in his image, who are worthy of love simply because you bear the image of God, God has gone through great lengths to restore that image that was lost as a result of sin, to restore that relationship that was lost as a result of sin. I remember one day I was, uh, I was working at my house, and I heard my daughter uh, scream for help. The same one that alerted me about the fire, actually. She had just started gymnastics, and so I'm like, what's going on? So I ran outside, and I look up in this tree, and like 10 feet up, she's like hanging from the tree. She's like, Dad, help. Can you catch me? And I'm like, sorry, you got yourself there. I'm just kidding. I'm like, yeah, of course I'll catch you. <laughs> Below her was like a giant sprinkler with a piece of rebar, like would have turned her into a total kebab had she fallen out of the tree. So I get her down out of the tree. Every time I read this passage, for the wages of sin is death, that, that sin separates us from God, I get that picture of my daughter hanging in the tree crying out for help. 
wanting to be rescued. I think in a lot of ways, sin puts us in that precarious situation. Sin puts us in a position where death, where separation, where punishment, where wrath is something that we're deserving of. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word teaches that God doesn't like, God doesn't get pleasure with us being separated from him. It doesn't make God happy to know that his children, people made and created in his image, are are living a, a way of life that is far from him. No, because the word teaches God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. God desires for you to experience and understand what an abundant life, an everlasting life, a life of eternity spent with him looks like. But in order for us to understand that message, we have to understand that we fall short. In order for you to know that you, in order for you to know that you need saving, you have to understand that you're in a situation that's not good in the first place. And friends, if you have not yet put your faith in Jesus, you, according to these passages that we've read this morning, are in a situation much like my daughter was, except you may not realize the danger and the peril that lies ahead for you. If you haven't yet put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you, according to these passages that we read, are still far from God. I want you to think about this today. God desires that none should perish, but that all should come to everlasting life. That, that for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As you guys go about your day today and learn all sorts of awesome things about the world God created for us, I want you to consider where you stand with God. Do you know him? Do you love him? Do you believe in him? Or do you still have questions? Have you held yourself back from putting your faith in him today? Let's pray and we'll, uh, we'll move on with our day. God, thank you for the truth of who you are, even the hard truths. Thank you for helping us to understand better that you love us and that you sacrificed for us and that the reason that you had to sacrifice for us is because we were far from you. And so God, help us to wrestle with that today. Help us to know that apart from you, we are still separated. But the free gift of God, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I can't wait to talk about that tonight. Help us to have an amazing day filled with lots of learning. We love you so much. Amen.